All right, welcome, man. Cube Show podcast, college football podcast. Comes to you on Sundays, most of the time. Uh, as you know, I appreciate all you guys watching it. Last two videos have been sort of emergency pods, Nick Saban retiring. And then, of course, uh, Kalen DeBoer being named as the Alabama head football coach. A little bit more on some of that. Uh, we're seeing some of the effects of that Alabama roster. We're going to get into that. We've got a couple other portal moves that I want to discuss. Some coaching news coming out of the SEC that I want to get to from a couple different schools. And then we got an awesome interview for you. Now, we recorded this a couple days ago. You'll hear me reference it with Will um, the day that Saban resigned. And we were going to use it for today's podcast. And then I decided to just save it instead of putting it out separately. But I still think even though Will Rogers is back in the portal and I've had some conversations with him about his options, but that's not really my place to get into here. Um, it's a cool conversation because I don't think a lot of people understand everything that he and his teammates went through in Starkville. Um, I know a lot of folks don't even realize that Joe Moorhead was fired the day after he moved in and just how crazy that was. His relationship with Mike Leach, you know, playing against some of these SEC teams, the decision to leave a school in which you hold multiple school records, uh, why Washington, and then uh, just his thoughts on a, a lot of scheme. So we, we nerd out a little bit on X's and O's, but it's a fun interview, man. Like he's a cool kid. Uh, I've admired him. I've loved covering him. And I think you guys are going to enjoy listening to it because it's a lot of SEC and it's a lot of football. Even if you're not a Mississippi State fan, I think you'll enjoy hearing from him based on everything that he's done and and some of his background too, like kind of how he grew up, his family grew up in an old Miss household. And then, you know, that that shift going from the air raid into Coach Barbe's offense and just how difficult some of those things were will hit that. Uh, but as you guys know, each and every week, Brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. You know what it is. You know what it's about. Actually, had a couple Wickles Pickles with lunch today after church. Went to Soho Social here in Homewood. Uh, they've got the Osuzana, which has Wickles Pickles on it. Chicken sandwich, fantastic. White barbecue sauce. Tell Taylor and the guys you heard about them here on Cube Show if you decide to go in there for lunch or dinner. It's amazing. Um, mini corn dogs out of this world. And now they do like the cinnamon sugar pretzels for dessert. Got these for the kids. And they give you a giant bowl of icing. You just dunk them in. Uh, probably went a little too far with those today uh, because it was a little bit better than I imagined. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we're seeing some, some of the changes with the Alabama roster and how this coaching change is going to affect some things. Five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams decommits. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's out, especially if Ryan Grubb gets announced as the offensive coordinator, which I would anticipate. And if you guys listen to the emergency pod discussing what Grubb and DeBoer are, then I think you'll get a pretty good idea of just what they're about. Um, I actually have a little bit of Coach DeBoer that I got from the Sugar Bowl that I'm going to plug in here as well, let you guys listen to that. Matter of fact, um, some of the coaching news that I'm hearing, James Shepard, receiver coach, who's probably coming over. Scott Huff, the offensive line coach, most likely coming over. With Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sheridan, the tight end coach. Good chance he's coming as well. Um, I think the running back coach, Robert Gillespie, will probably stay in place. Freddie Roach at D-line, good possibility. And we'll see what happens defensively. I think Coach DeBoer wants a D coordinator before he makes a lot of the defensive hires. Um, so before we go any further, um, I thought a couple of things were cool about this interview. One, team and the team aspect that Kalen DeBoer coaches with especially on offense, specifically on offense, because I asked him how he wants this game to go for Washington against Texas. And just listen to how he describes what the philosophy is. It's not square peg, round hole. 
they're going to be able to figure out what they're best at, and that's what they're going to go with, and that's what they're going to do. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then also, when I asked him about sort of the it factor with his team, I loved his answer. And the cool part about it was their emphasis on this part of their players' personalities and how they try to drive it into them. I thought both of these were really cool. Take a quick listen. This is media day for the Sugar Bowl a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer, just a couple of quick questions. You guys can you can really sort of alter how a game goes, tempo, pace-wise. If you need to ramp it up, speed it up, you can. You, can, you guys can tempo to the ball and then take your time. What would you prefer this game to be? And not just from your side, but maybe collectively. Would you like a, a fast, up-tempo style game? Would you like one that maybe calms down a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know we have the ability to be tempo, but I think we play team football. And so whatever that is, um, you know, uh, I think offensively, we can always get it back on our side, like what you said, with uh, the ability to play fast and, and then quick slow it down. Um, that's just part of uh, us getting the looks we want and, and part of uh, us leading to the success we have offensively. So um, I think it's one thing, uh, the ability to do all of that has helped us when we're behind, be able to stay in games and come from, come from behind and when we're ahead, um, be able to you know find a way to win as well and finish it out so um, I don't really think we have a preference on uh, what it is of course you know uh, up tempo um, you know executing um, getting the ball up and down the field um, you know that's what we're used to uh, especially on the offensive side so uh, that rhythm I think is always important especially for Michael and the skill guys um, but whatever it takes to win. Uh, last one, you mentioned being able to battle back, come back and find ways to win games. I think it's a sign of a great team. Uh, I don't know what it factor is, so I'm going to ask you. I don't know how you define it. I don't know if you can put your finger on it, but you're the head coach of this team. You obviously see it, and your team has some of that, whatever that is. How would you describe that aspect of your team? Well, I think it's a deep, a deep confidence, a deep trust and belief. Um, in each other first and that every guy is going to give everything they have and that each guy can focus in on just their job and not try to do too much, not get overwhelmed. And so that deep belief doesn't just happen on Saturdays. It happens um, all year long and the things that you do. And so we're very intentional, whether it's winter conditioning, spring, spring football, um, we talk about a lot of things. and. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about when the lights are brightest, our guys play their best because in the end, it always goes back to the preparation, which leads to confidence and that deep belief I'm talking about where uh, we're executing on game day and finding ways to win. All right, so cool stuff there from Kalen DeBoer, new Alabama head coach, just giving you a little further insight into kind of what he is, what he's about. Uh, we mentioned some of those changes on staff. Traverse Robinson now has been added to the Georgia staff. Just what Georgia needs, right? Another elite recruiter. I'm happy for my guy, T-Rob. T-Rob was my teammate at Auburn. I think he is a brilliant coach. I think he's a rentless recruiter. He gives you an immediate pipeline to South Florida, which is invaluable. He's a good defensive backs coach. I think if Nick Saban doesn't resign, personally, I think there's a good chance T-Rob's Alabama's defensive coordinator next year. I also believe that T-Rob have a very, very heavy hand in the defensive play calling for Alabama this year. I feel like he was very involved. That's my opinion. Take it for what you will. Uh, also, Will Muschamp will move off the field there for Georgia. So they get Alabama safety Jake Pope out of the portal. I don't know if he's going to be able to go in there and beat out the guys that he that they have. But, hey, collecting numbers at DB is not a bad thing in today's college football. 
Um, a guy to watch out of the portal for Washington, Nate Kalepo, offensive lineman, played left guard for him last year. Really good player. Really good player. He could start in the SEC at most schools. That's just kind of one to watch. The other ways that the Alabama roster being hit, Antonio Kite, DB, Kendrick Blackshire, linebacker, tight end Jax Porter, uh, wide receiver Shaz Preston, all in the portal. Des Ricks, portal. Tight end Amari Nyblack is going to be a big get for somebody, which is crazy because I feel like he is a perfect fit. You watch what Jack Westover did in that Washington offense. You give Amari Nyblack's skill set to Ryan Grubb, oh, he could put up some numbers. But a lot of these things are relationships, wanting to play for a certain guy, fresh start, more money in NIL. It's all real. You never know exactly what the mindset is. Uh, linebacker Sean Murphy also in the portal. Uh, and now it looks like Florida State is just saying, you know what? To hell with it. If we can't get into the SEC, we'll just go get all SEC players uh, because Mike Norvell is having a ton of success out of the portal with SEC guys. Alabama running back Roy Dell Williams, offensive lineman Terrence Ferguson, wide receiver Malik Benson, defensive back Earl Little. He's also got Florida offensive lineman Richie Leonard and LSU wide receiver Jalen Brown. Richie Leonard can play. He's good. Saban pointed out Terrence Ferguson and his progress early in the season last year. We know Roy Dell can play. Malik Benson was supposed to be the star for Alabama this year, be their breakout guy. Earl Little has looked good when he's gotten opportunities for that, that Alabama defense. So Florida State loses a ton, but that's a lot of talent that they've loaded up on just out of SEC schools. So Mike Norvell getting it done there again. Another Alabama receiver that was in the portal, Isaiah Bond. He's going to go play at Texas. Texas, losing Jordan Whittington. Um, you're losing Xavier Worthy. So you need more targets. Jatavian Sanders going to the NFL. Isaiah Bond comes in, a physical receiver, got a mean streak. We all know the catch that he made against Auburn. Gravedigger, fourth and 31. Uh, which to me, and you guys have heard me reference this pretty recently, the craziest part about all this is, like, think about that legacy, the legacy portion of that. This is a guy that Daniel Moore is going to make a painting of. This is a guy that has one of the most iconic catches, plays in the history of Alabama football. If he doesn't catch that ball, Alabama doesn't get in the playoff. Uh, doesn't, I mean, who knows what happens as far as the SEC championships concerned after the confidence takes a hit. You just don't know. One of the best plays in the history of that program is going to go play at Texas, the team coming into the SEC. It's just wild to think about, man. Because we talk about legacy and we talk about how you leave a place and how people will remember you. And it's just wild to think that you would walk away from that. But again, I'm not mad at the guy. I'm just saying based on what had happened and what was already done there and the equity that you had built to just leave that seems crazy. But it's today's college football. Um, Quinn, you going to come back for Texas. That's a big get. I'm not one that fears what Archie Manning's going to do. Um, I'm, I don't really have uh, a, a lot of, a lot of, I'm not real nervous about that. Like a lot of other people are, and I'm getting text messages during the show. So I'm sorry. I'm just going to go check a couple of these and just make sure there's nothing that I need to update you guys on right now. Okay. So, um, all right. So Texas is going to be fine. I think Arch sits one more year behind Quinn, gets a little more playing time, and then he's ready to go and he can go to maybe three years. It doesn't matter. He's already making enough money. Uh, Oklahoma gets former Texas, Nebraska, FAU quarterback Casey Thompson. I actually think this is a great get because you get a seventh-year quarterback. What? And he's going to come in behind the incumbent, super-talented quarterback that just started your bowl game, and now he has a veteran presence in the room with him. So he's run similar systems, uh, knows the area, 
And I think that's a solid get. Number one is your backup potentially to Jackson Arnold. And number two, just to be a guy next to him that can help him. Uh, Baylor tight end Jake Roberts. No idea if he's bringing a snake with him to Oklahoma, but he's, he's out of the portal. He signed up to go play for the Sooners. 66 catches, 772 yards, four touchdowns in a couple of years there at Baylor. I watched his film. Not super aggressive from a blocking perspective. He's a pretty smooth route runner. Doesn't have great speed. Solid catch in the football. But they need bodies at that position more than anything else. I mean, they were pretty much down to one last year. So they just got to get guys that understand how to play to be able to run Seth Luttrell's offense. It's a valuable position in that offense, even though I know they don't catch 100 balls a year. They have to have that position to make it go. So you get a guy with a lot of experience that's, you know, physically fits the bill, uh, doesn't shy away from blocking, just he doesn't have, he doesn't carry a lot of weight in his rear end. So he's not pushing guys around, but a pretty good get. Uh, one team that I really want to talk about today was Old Miss and just kind of what they're doing. They continue to be dominant in the portal. Uh, even though they lose former Mississippi State cornerback to Cameron Richardson, who's now going to go to the NFL. I do think it hurts a little bit just because. That's a position of need still for Ole Miss, and he had some experience, but they'll be okay. Ladarius Tennyson also out from that secondary. That part's going to have to be addressed a little bit further, in my opinion. He did a lot of different things for him. Um, I have not watched UNC offensive line Diego Pounds yet. I'll try to check him out, give you some thoughts next week. Again, we're just going to have to go through all these guys once it's all the dust settles in the offseason. I'll watch as much of the film as I can and break it down for you guys. I can't do it all right now, especially with the Alabama stuff. It's just been too much. But the one I wanted to get to is running back Logan Diggs from LSU. I think it's a great get because you've got Ulysses Bentley, who physically showed that he can do different things, being a lead blocker and whatnot last year, but he's got that extra juice, super explosive. Um, you know, when I talked to Rhett Lashley about his time at SMU, you know, he told me he's super dynamic, extra gear. He can just absolutely get it, fastest guy on the team. And now you get a downhill thumper of a running back. Like Logan Diggs can put his head down and pick up tough yards. I'm a fan of his. He catches the ball well out of the backfield, good in pass pro. I really think he helps bring that thunder and lightning element to the Ole Miss backfield who lost Quinshawn Judkins. He's not super dynamic, but he can grind out yards, and he finds the hole extremely well and gets downhill with authority. So I love that pickup for Ole Miss. It's really nice. Um, a couple others just of note. LSU gets Liberty wide receiver C.J. Daniels, 6'2", 200. I've watched him. Good route runner, good hands. Um, 1,067 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. Uh, 27 catches in his career of 25 yards or more. So he can be a guy that hurts you down the field. It's a good veteran get for LSU. It's losing a ton of experience at wide receiver. Florida linebacker Manny Nunnery hits the portal. Main reason I think this hurts is you just had a ton of guys on that side of the ball. You've had a lot of departures at that position. So just to add another one to the list. Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen apparently flirting with the NFL. Would hate to see him leave. Would love to see him with some of the new toys that Kentucky's going to add. But apparently, according to Matt Jones, there's some back and forth between he and the head coach. It's not necessarily simpatico, so he may look and he may go. I know some of the things with college football are a little frustrating to Liam right now, and things did not go as according to plan last year. So wouldn't be overly surprising to me, but I hope he stays. Uh, they get offensive tackle from Tennessee, Gerald Mincy, out of the portal. Uh, which is good because I think Marquez Cox played right tackle last year, right? And he wants to play left. So I guess that would be good for him. He won't have to worry about being the second team left tackle instead of the first team right tackle. Uh, they also get Alabama DB Christian Story. A lot of folks in Tuscaloosa had great things to say about him. So that could be a great get up for Brad White's defense. So Kentucky continues to do some really good things in the portal. I'm impressed with what they've done this offseason. They and 
they're kind of more quiet than Ole Miss. Ole Miss just having a monster season in the portal. Uh, Tennessee gets Alabama tight end, Miles Klitsenson. I don't really know anything about him, but that, that's a good ad, I guess, for Tennessee. They do a good job with their tight ends. All right, one thing I want to hit before we get to Will Rogers. Um, Auburn's got a lot going on right now. Um, Cadillac Williams, Zach Etheridge, out. Uh, I've seen a lot of people nationally that just frankly don't know what the hell they're talking about with this scenario. Uh, what's going on with Hugh Freeze? What's going on with the culture? What's going on with the university? What's going on with everything? It's going to hell in a handbasket. Just do a little bit of research. Just look into it. Try to figure out what's happening because this is not disagreements. This is not people that don't like each other. This is not people mad at one another. It's not the head coach not knowing what he's doing. This is something that had to happen and that was self-inflicted. I'll just say that. That's the only thing I can say, but I'm not going to go further into it. I think Cadillac's awesome. Uh, I think Zach Etheridge has done a great job. Hate to see them both go, especially Carnell. Amazing human, but great for Auburn University. Will always be one of the all-time greats, but this was this this there was not a decision to be left with here. That's it. That's all. That's all you need to know. Um, and then also Charles Kelly now in on that defensive staff. Wesley McGriff apparently didn't sign his deal at A and M, so he's going to come back. So you had some recruiting prowess there. Um, Keontae Scott going to be back. Brian Batte, Portal, whatever happened with that, he's back in. As far as being on the Auburn roster, that's good. Jarquez Hunter says he's going to come back. That's amazing. So now it's a little bit of weaponry on offense. You know you're going to have back with probably a very young wide receiver core. Texas D lineman Trill Carter, you get him out of the portal, could be good. Mississippi State, offensive tackle Percy Lewis. A lot of people are peeing their pants on this one. Um, kid's got some work to do. Is he big? Look how big. Yeah, he's 6'8", 360, whatever he is, it's fine. He's got long arms. He doesn't use them well all the time. Uh, he's got to work on his set. It's not consistent. Uh, gets out over his toes a little bit. Does not anchor very well. He should not be getting pushed back into the lap of the quarterback like he has with lighter defensive linemen multiple times this season. Uh, tries to get a little bit tricky with his hands. He's a little bit too much into the taekwondo, handwork, ninjutsu type stuff. It's just it's not just set and punch and anchor. That's what he's going to have to learn to do if he's going to start and help in that Auburn offense. And maybe Dylan Wade goes down to guard on that side, and you can have a pretty ferocious side if he does make a little bit of improvement. So. That's just a couple of the guys that I want to go into. A couple of things happening around the Southeastern Conference. All right, guys, don't forget about GameTime.co. GameTime, you're not going to have to worry about when to buy tickets for your next big event. GameTime's got you taken care of. Last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event right there in your area. Views from all the seats in the venue, so you know what it's going to look like when you get to your seat. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. You can't beat these deals and the protection you're going to get from game time. Just download the game time app, create an account, use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code CUBE, C-U-B-E, and you'll get $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It is the place to find last minute seats. Don't even worry about anything else. Go get the app. Go to gametime.co. Check them out today. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. That's right. That's all you got to do. Go to gametime.co or go to the app store, pick it up, use promo code CUBE, and you're going to save $20 on your first purchase. I think you're going to enjoy this interview from Will Rogers. Uh, one of my favorite guys to cover and actually a lot going on with his name right now. So this is Will Rogers joining us earlier this week. Uh, and Will Rogers, former Mississippi State, now Washington, 
Husky quarterback going to be with us. Uh, before you and I get going, and we got a ton, Nick Saban announces he's retiring uh, like an hour ago, and then now you're jumping on with me. I just have to hear your thoughts on it. You competed against him, um, played against him. Uh, I know you've been around him a little bit. Just what, what was your immediate reaction when you saw that Coach Saban's not going to be the head coach at Alabama anymore? I, I could not believe it. Uh, I thought that uh, we'd at least see, you know, three or four more years out of him for sure. But um, you just have to appreciate everything he's done. You know, I mean, he's such a great coach. You know, I've had a chance to play against him, you know, four times, you know, went to several 707s at Alabama in high school and things like that. So I've been around him for sure. Uh, but, you know, just to compete against him, you know, probably the greatest college football coach ever uh, when you talk about championships and things like that. Uh just a, uh, a a lot of respect for what he's done at the University of Alabama and everywhere else. Uh, but, you know, when you really dive into the X's and O's and, you know, study how he coaches and, you know, especially his defense with what they do on the back end and how they match everything and pass everything off, uh, you know, just a lot of respect for him and everything he's done. All right. You said high school. So let's take it back. And a lot of folks may not know – you ran air raid in high school, correct? Very yeah, yeah. That's been said a lot, but it was it was a similar version. You know, everything drop back wise was air raid. Uh, so I mean, I could, you know, I could I could draw up so many RPOs. We ran, you know, you know, run checks. You know, I'm carrying two plays to the line of scrimmage in high school. You know, we want to run counter to the shade. We want to run pin and pull to the three technique. Uh, so you know, I've been doing that since I was a junior in high school. So. It was air raid concepts for sure. You know, we ran, you know, Y cross, four verts, mesh. We ran a lot of that stuff. But, you know, there were, I mean, especially my junior year, we were pretty heavy 11. And, you know, we got into some 12 a lot as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people have said, yeah, he ran air raid in high school. Yeah, there's air raid concepts. We ran everything drop back was, you know, mirrored off of Leach and everything he did. Uh, but also, you know, RPOs, We, I mean, we were running like RPO stick, you know, you know, four two box. You know, you're IDing the wheel as your mic. You're reading the mic backer. The mic backer jumps in. You're throwing the stick. I mean, we were running that when I was in eighth grade. You know, my dad's the OC, so I can remember. Right. I mean, I've been I've been running RPOs and since I was in ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the reasons you're able to handle as much as you're able to handle now and have been for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we're talking about sort of your high school career. And then when you and I media days, were talking about your transition to coach Barbe's offense. I asked you about turning your back to a defense. You kind of laughed and sat back in your chair and you said, man, I think you got me. I don't think I've ever done it. And I asked you about going under center. And you said that there was one time that you had done it, but it's not the one time it's, you said you were backed up on your own goal line coming out. Is that, I got to hear this story now that we have some time to talk about it because, I mean, I get it if you never do it, but how in the hell is that the one time that you actually do it when you're backed up by your own end zone? Well, you know, you practice all these, like, what-if scenarios. So the, the what-if scenarios you practice on your Thursday walkthrough uh, in high school, and the what-if scenario was you're backed up on your minus-one-yard line and you got to sneak it out. <laughs> so that was uh, – I mean, it was, I think it was my senior night in high school. And I remember like the ball getting down on the one with, and you know, we're up like about two touchdowns or whatever. And I'm just like, really? Like, this is the, I'm really going to have to sneak this thing out of here. But it, it was a, it was a success. So that's all that matters. All right. Yeah. So 
A lot of folks probably also don't know that you grow up in, in kind of an, an old Miss household um, as a kid. Take us just like describe what that was like. It was, uh, I mean, I was, I mean, I was all Ole Miss. I'm not going to say that. I was all Ole Miss. You know, my mom went to Alabama. My mom graduated from Alabama. Um, and, you know, they lived in Tuscaloosa for a while, um, even after that. But my dad went to Ole Miss. My grandfather played baseball at Ole Miss. Uh, my sister got her undergrad at Ole Miss. So, you know, I spent a lot of time at Ole Miss. You know, I really, I really liked it. But, you know, when I was coming, I think when I was a junior, you know, they were lighting it up with, you know, Metcalf and A.J. Brown um, and Coach Longo, Phil Longo left oh, yeah. and they brought in Rich Rod and they just did totally something different than what I'm doing, you know, and throwing Wait, the ball. You, did, you don't think you had the wheels to, to run the Rich Rod <laughs> offense? Uh, I'm going to leave that up to Plumlee or one of those other guys that is a lot flat, faster than I am. Uh, but yeah, when, when I was a senior in high school, uh, that's who was the, that's who was the coach. And, um, you know, coming out of high school, I did want to play for my home state and, you know, I'd, I'd almost always saw myself going to Ole Miss and, you know, I mean, I wanted, I, I, I wanted to go to Ole Miss, uh, but you know, when they never pulled the trigger, uh, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, even, I mean, I think. Coach Kiffin was hired with like a month, month and a half left before we signed because uh, we were at the Mississippi Alabama All Star Game and you know we were all there together. You know, like me, Forbes, Tulu, um, you know, a lot of people that ended up going to state. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they didn't offer me at a high school, and you know that's fine. You know, I mean, they had a great. I mean, Corral was lighting it up, so you yeah. know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, but. You know, I was definitely an Ole Miss fan growing up. But, you know, I think all that kind of goes out the door once you start getting recruited and things like that. So you have to do what's best for yourself. So, and you mentioned, like, coaches and coaching changes. It's one of the things that we have to talk about. But mm-hmm. everybody knows your affiliation with Leach because of your success in the air raid being coached by him. I have to hear just your description or a story of what it was like being recruited by Coach Leach. and. I don't know how much you got recruited by him because I didn't even know this until the last time I, I, when Tom and I talked to you before the Egg Bowl, and you're like, no man, when I when I got here, Leach was not the head coach. Like, mm-hmm. so the day you moved to campus, there was a coach fired from Mississippi yeah, State. The day before I moved in, so you know I'd already signed with Coach Moorhead and things like that. It was right after the Miss Al game, you know, playing an early enroll, everything like that. So I signed, and then Coach Moorhead got let go after the bowl game. So it was kind of late. Um, and then, uh, you know, day next day, you know, you're you're moving to moving to Starkville, you know, which was convenient for me. You know, I was, you know, I'm a Mississippi kid, an hour and a half from Starkville, so it wasn't that big of a jump. But you know, being at school for a month, month and a half, you know, your first month at college, and I was like dang, this is really what a college football program looks like. And it was, it was just different. Uh, but obviously coach had recruited me to Washington state. Right. Uh, and you know, they had been recruiting me for the past year, year and a half or whatever it was, but you know, to, to find out that it was going to be leech, it was, it was wild to me, you know, it was just a blessing. And a great fit. Do you have a recruiting story 
I mean, even though it was uh, Washington State, I know you probably didn't bump yeah, into him all the time. I, I think but. I talked to him. He gave me heck one time when I was committed to uh, Mississippi State, and they were still trying to recruit me my senior year. Uh, he gave me heck about loving the cowbell. Like, do you even like that noise or something like that? <laughs> you know, it was, it was the only time. It was the only time I really talked to him on the phone. You know, he doesn't talk. He's very. He lets his coaches coach. I'll say that. Uh, so I, I, Coach Spurrier is the one that really recruited me and recruited my area and was talking to me the most. Um, but the one time I did talk to him on the phone, they were trying to get me to flip to Washington State, and he was kind of he was kind of giving the thumbs down to the cowbell that conversation. So you knew that this was going to work when he comes in to take over. You knew the air raid was going to work because you're obviously familiar with those concepts mm. and. That had to be a, a pretty big shift in philosophy for a lot of the guys. And I mean, you go from, you know, obviously the whole tight end situation, the offensive line has got to have completely different fundamentals. It's, it's just, it's new for everybody. Um, when did you have a pretty good idea? Like, I can go get this thing. Like, I can be the guy in this offense. Cause we obviously saw KJ and what happened early on against LSU. And then it's like that thing kind of crumbled. Like, when did you, when did you sit back and say, this is going to be my deal? It's just going to be my show. Uh, it was probably like later my freshman year. You know, I, I remember, you know, I can remember going in fall camp that year and struggling those first couple practices. You know, you think it's going to be easy because you know the offense and you have a good general idea of the concepts and things like that. Well, I mean, it's not easy for any true freshman going in there and playing in the SEC West, especially. Um, and I can remember struggling, struggling a little bit that first, uh, fall camp, but I, I think I got better every practice. And, you know, you hear coaches talk about that all the time. You have to get better every single day. But I, I generally think that I got better every single day. And, you know, I learned from my mistakes uh, early on. Uh, but later on my freshman year, I really started to click and really started to, to get the hang of it. Um, and I, mean, I guess I can talk about it now because obviously coach has passed away and uh, there's not really anybody doing what he's doing. But what people don't understand is that you have to be able to tell – you have to be able to shake Leach off sometimes because Le- Coach Leach will get in the in the rhythm of calling like three dropbacks in a row. So or three or four dropbacks in a row. And, I mean, you know as well as anybody, I mean, if the defense knows it's dropback in the SEC and those ends can <laughs> get in dang, dang near nine techniques um, – you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how wide your splits are at that point. They, I mean, those guys can run. You know, those guys are big, long, and can run and can really rush the passer if they know it's passed. So, I mean, coach would, you know, coach would give me a play and give me a run play or a, a pass play. You know, say it's wide cross, and I would just, I'd, I'd call run. So I'd signal run to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, then, then if the box is bad, you know, you would check to the pass play that he called. Right. You know? Um, so, I mean, I kid you not, I probably, I mean, 90 to 95% of the run plays called at Mississippi state when Leach was there was a check from the quarterback. So, <laughs> Cause uh, you, there was a, I think it was your, your junior year and you, you were handing it to Dylan a lot more and it was kind of like, wow, that's, I mean, I think it was, I'm using rough numbers here, but 
96 runs and now it was up to like 170 or something. It's like, man, they're like actually yeah. run the ball. We, uh, we sat down with you for, before one of those games and you were like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm actually doing that. Like it's, it's me. You need to go back and watch the, uh, the Arkansas game my junior year. And uh, I remember the game was like, we had like a mesh play in the top three. Then we had like Y cross called. And then some form of quick game. You know, when Coach when Coach Leach calls the plays, he'll give you like ace check, like formation check. Like um, we were – it was a fourth down play. I think y'all might have been covering this game. It was against Arkansas my sophomore year. When they scored with a minute left, we drive down with 20 seconds left, missed the yep. field goal. Well, the the first fourth down – the first drive at halftime, we're going down to take the lead. And it's like fourth and two. We draw them off sides, nothing. Draw them off sides again, nothing. And I look at the play clock, and it's like on seven. And then I look at Leach, and I can see Leach is like talking. on the, And he just looks at me, and he just goes, just point, just. And it's just like, all right, you know. But, I mean, that's, that's the beauty in what he did. You know, he yeah. he always said, like, I'm going to get – like, he's, he – He's serious about game planning for sure. Like he stays up there, he does all that stuff. But he was like, if you see something, go after it. Cause I mean, you get the last look at it. You know, we can sit up here and prepare all week, but that's not a guarantee to what they're going to do and not a guarantee that they're going to do it right every single time. How many times do you see defenses bust, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was the beauty in what he did. He was, he was special, but, uh, you know, that's, that's something a lot of people don't know is you have to know how to, you know, shake him off. That that Arkansas game, like I was saying, though, I think like the first three or four plays, like I just called run. And it was just like they're all pass plays, and they're going for right. like six, eight, four, seven, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, you can start doing whatever once. I mean, there's times where I'm holding the ball for – because that's the beauty of the air raid, and I know I'm going on, but that's the beauty of the air raid is can those guys rush the passer? 50 times a game if we're throwing, yeah if they're if we're throwing a quick screen now because if we threw a quick screen and we got three yards well the defensive coordinator is you know yeah we got three yards but in leach's mind it was all right it's second and seven we can call whatever we just made their whole defense run to the ball and you know we're, we're fine with that you know we're fine at second and seven getting positive yards making the whole defense run because they're going to have to do that all game. That edge defender had to rush upfield, redirect, trace the ball back downfield, and even if he doesn't make the tackle or have anything to do with the tackle, that back and forth change of direction, that's huge to, to kind of work on those guys. The crazy part was, like, he had an index card. Mm-hmm. And he would sit over there with that little index card, call him plays, and, you know, Tom asked him about it a couple of times, and then there's that the famous story about the, you know, the Oklahoma deal with the play yeah. sheet and all that. I what do you think Leach would have said to all this Connor Stallion stuff going on with the Michigan sign stealing all that deal? Like, would he have just laughed at uh, that? Or yeah, would he be like, I don't really care? Like, you can go look at the – I mean, Coach Stoops at his memorial, he signaled one of our plays. He was like, Leach is probably go up there going early, 92 post-wheel. Like, it's the same – like, it's been the same, and it's been the same signals for, you know, how many – 30 years, how many ever years it's been – uh, and you know, we would tell coach like coach, like in practice, like, 
our Forbes saw me signal that stop route out there. He was sitting on it, you know, and he was like, well, they still have to stop it. And if if the defense knows the plays, tell them to tell our guys because we bust all the time. And we're just like, all right. You know, his his mindset was, yeah, we're on, we only have about 14 plays, but we're going to get to them every single way, every single formation, yeah. every single motion, and we're better at our plays than you are at trying to stop it, you know, uh, yep. which there, there's some good and bad to that. But, um, yeah, he, he was special in his own way, and that's what made him have success. And, and one of the ways that he was special, like with us, with me, and I kind of didn't like this because I felt like it was <laughs> a little bit lazy to say, you know, hey, uh, tiger or cougar, like who wins that fight? Like, okay, it's going mean, to give you a great answer. You knew it. Yeah. But it was so cool for me, Will, because I challenged myself to try to get him to talk about football. Yeah. Because I knew he would avoid it at all costs. So I mm-hmm. would come up with these crazy ass ways to like backdoor into a football question. We had you guys at Kentucky one year and you, you had a lot of pressure in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I remember he's like, you know, he's beelining off the field. Like he's, he's trying to get over there and this, this whole thing. And he's <laughs> like, um, he's like, uh, trying to get off the field, trying not to talk to me or whatever. And he says, um, he goes, Hey, I said, coach, um, your quarterback's having some issue with pressure. Like, how do you, and he goes, what? And I think that was his favorite thing. And I know what he was doing. Like I picked up on it pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. He was, he would act like he didn't hear it. So hopefully he'd be <laughs> off the field and then wouldn't have to answer it. And I said, coach, uh, I said, the fortress that is protecting your quarterback is being invaded by the defense. I said, and they have, they have gotten through your first line of defense inside of that castle. Like, how do you plan on improving your castle's defense in the second half? And I'm, he was just, he, we I actually, I know, I remember now, I remember exactly what he said. He said, um, we just got blocked better. Yeah. And then he walks off the field and I was just like, ah, like yeah. I was hoping to get this, like, I was hoping to get this great football answer and like, it just didn't happen. But so I wanted to hear from you, how much of that was in the facility? Like the, the football talk and then the distraction stuff. Cause I know he went off topic on random shit all the time, but just was it, could you get him locked in on football? Did you want him locked in on football all the time? I think it was a fine line with him. Like you wanted him to coach you, like you like as a quarterback, like you wanted him to coach you, and you wanted to hear what his input was on some things. Uh, but at the same time, like you wanted him to be him. Like that's what makes yeah. him great. Is like you wanted him to be loose, and you know there. I mean, his his biggest coaching point to quarterbacks is his saying is just hit him. Like, <laughs> yeah, coach, like, no kidding, just hit him. Like, I'm not trying to throw an incompletion here. You know, like, if you'd sell it, we'd be in Finn the next day. It was like, well, good read. Just hit him, though. Just hit him. You know? That was, that's one of the craziest things. So I've gotten to know Chris Hatcher, the Sanford coach here. Yeah. Which, by the way, I kind of tried to push for them to go after you and get you in. I'm like, that dude will throw for 10,000 yards if he comes <laughs> and plays at Sanford. Uh, but so he like has tried to teach me the air raid cause I don't, yeah. I just don't, I didn't know it and I knew I was going to have you guys. So I'd go over there and watch film with them. We'd sit and talk and he's like, you want to know the hardest thing about playing for Leach? And, cause you know, he played for him at Valdosta, won the Harlan Hill mm-hmm. trophy. I was like, no, tell me. He said, Leach would always tell us, I got people blowing me up on FaceTime. I'm not sure what the deal is. He would say, um, he goes, you know what the hardest thing to play for Leach was? He said, 
after every play, he would say, guys, somebody's open on every play. We would, he's like, we it had, didn't matter coverage, yeah. pressure, what we called. He's like, somebody's open every play. And I asked Tim Couch about it. And Couch was like, oh, yeah. He said, if, we, if I was like, coach, this guy, this guy, this guy. He's like, well, why didn't you go over here? I said, well, yeah. that's my last read. I couldn't, I couldn't get over there. He's like, I don't care. He's open. Throw it to him. Yeah. And, you know, coach, coach didn't play the position. So there were some times where <laughs> he would say something in the meeting and the rest of the quarterback's room kind of like looking at each other. But, you know, he, he was right on a lot of it. You know, I mean, we would have – so four versus six. That's the play call. Yep. So six. We would have six days. So there's only – there's only like – there's it's the first day of fall camp every year. It's the first day of spring practice every year. You can only call six. You can call six, any run, any quick screen, and that's about it. So, but you can tag, you know, you have the freedom to tag. So you can tag 10 yard stop, six step out. You're controlling four verts, you know, on the outside. Um, So there's days where you have six days and that's the only thing that you can call is four verts. So like in Skelly, he's not giving you a play. He's giving you early check. You already know what it is. It's early check, late check, H check, empty check, green check, blue check. And it's just four verts. And when you tell that to the person that hasn't been there at practice or done that, yeah. I mean, they think they think you're crazy, which might be right a little it bit. Kind of is when you, a little bit. When you go back and watch some of that film and go over the practice, you're like, "Dang, we just we just hit a steam here, a hitch there, a stop there, and we got to run in there, and boom, touchdown." You know, it's just like, man, that like there is somebody open every play, you know. Right. And it's, it's, I, th- I think one of the things Hatch told me on four verts specifically is, and I don't know if it was every route, but if not certain the receivers on that play can sit that down at any time, or maybe yeah, there are increments so coach, that they can sit it down. Coach kind of got away from that just because of the miscommunication from the quarterback and the receiver in. And, you know, there were times, you know, you think off cover three, you know, you like your stop route where you can tag or the receiver would be running a stop route versus off coverage. Well, there's also some times where I like that versus press, you know. Yeah. DBs are smart. You know, you get pressed, man. People think you're going to run a vertical every time. You know, you throw them by at 12 yards. You know, it's a, it's a good route. Uh, so that's where he kind of let the quarterback control everything. So, you know, it was a lot go until we changed anything. So what, how, when did you guys catch on? Because it was weird that everybody freaked out when Odom was at Arkansas. And I think they did it to Corral first. Yeah. And it was they, the rush that, three drop eight. And every, the people yeah. who had been around the area a little bit were kind of like, I think Leach even told us one time when we had you guys, he's like, do you not, do you guys don't think anybody's ever rushed three and dropped eight against me before? Like this ain't new. Yeah. And it, I mean, it took a little while and that's, I think that's half half true of figuring it out, but it's also half true of, I mean, primarily myself at Mississippi State, KJ as well. You have to figure out, all right, it's, sec- it's first and ten. Leach just gave you four verts. It's a three. It, they're playing double cloud. Arkansas, <laughs> yeah. Arkansas played three down, Oki front, double cloud, probably 95% of the time against us in three years. They didn't disguise anything. They just played straight double cloud the whole game. 
And they were just like, I mean, we're going to make them go on 10, 14 play drives and score touchdowns. Like, that's hard to do. It's hard to, you know, not mess up or not yep. drop a ball in 14 plays. Um, so that that's what they did. And you you have to have the you have to have the patience playing for Coach Leach. If teams are gonna drop eight, yeah, there are gonna be times where he's like cussing you. There's a there's a big clip of him cussing me that Arkansas game because I checked run on third and sixth on the goal line just because it's I mean it's three down. Yeah. You know, those ends are those ends are pinching hard, forcing everything, spilling everything, and then there's you know, seven guys standing in the end zone and it's just like, man, maybe we could pop a run, you know, but yep. coach wanted to see the ball in the end zone and he let me know about it. Uh, but that's, he, he said that to us several times, you know, if, if this drop eight stuff was undefeated, we would have been put out of business a long time ago. You know? Yep. So I played for an offensive line coach named Rick Trickett. I know you you don't really know him, but he's kind of famous for, you know, being hard on his guys and, and cussing at his guys and cussing us out. And that made me think, like, could Leach ever even really hurt your feelings when he tried to cuss you out? Like, did could you even take it serious? Like, did it ever really get to you? Uh, no, I mean, uh, getting – I don't know if it ever got to me. Uh It gets to you a little bit because it's your coach. Like, you, yeah, you don't, no, don't want to disappoint no, your coach. No, but. They're, they're, I mean – don't get it wrong, like the famous clip of him in the Baylor locker room, like people laugh about that, but that was I mean, that was often. You know, if he yeah. if he thought you were being soft or if he thought, you know, you weren't doing something right, he was gonna let you know about it. Um and, you know, if you're not really around him or don't know him or, you know, weren't a part of our team, I think with how much we throw the ball and the way we played offensively, you could have gotten the perception that we might have been a little soft because we're not power eye running the ball at you every play but he was the opposite of that you know he he was really he was really sharp and he demanded a lot of out of his players and if you didn't do things the way he wanted he was gonna I mean I was you know I was you know a three-year starter you know I thought I did pretty well under coach Leach but he I mean the last practice I mean the last thing he said to me was he was he was getting on to me for not hitting a route you know I checked it down and he thought I could hit it and that was the last time he talked to me so that that kind of goes to show you he really doesn't care and he's going to tell you like it is and keep coaching you so I, I want to kind of go fast forward to that moment you're you're the starting quarterback you've got this relationship with this amazing head coach and then you get further down in your career and you lose a teammate and then I guess seven six seven not even that many months later um, you lose your head coach. Yeah, it was. Can, it was too can you much just take happens. take us through like how I can't imagine being your age, man, and then and doing what you're doing. Like, I mean, I was a college football player a long time ago. I didn't have social media and all the other stuff you deal mm-hmm. with. How did you guys even? I can't even fathom. I had a coach fired, mm-hmm. and I know what that was like trying to deal with the uncertainties, the unknowns. Like, what's next? Where are we going to go? We didn't have the portal, but guys were saying they were going to leave. Yeah. How did you guys? How did you even manage all of that that was happening to you? It was, I mean, I think it's a credit to, you know, and obviously things didn't go the way we wanted to this past year. But, you know, when you look at the group that we had and, you know, you rattle off some of the names like, you know, Jet Johnson, Buki Watson, Woody Marks, um, you know, Jaden Wally, you know, Decam, Crumity, um, 
you know, I mean, you, you can go on down the line. Cole Smith, you know, Cam yeah. Jones, you know, there's several. I mean, you can go on and on, but those guys were all there when I got there. Those guys were there before. Those guys are who we kind of started it with. Not a lot of us played. You know, Jet and Buki were second team when I got there behind right. Errol and uh, Brulee. So they were second. I mean, so I'm going against those guys my freshman year in scrimmages. You know, we're both second teams. So, you know, just to have a good, solid group of guys, and you know, I said it didn't go the way we wanted it to, which is, you know, not not acceptable. But um, just to have those guys in your corner when something like that happens, you know, we really we really pulled together. Um, like you said, losing a teammate, you know, I think it is the Tuesday before you we're five and two, about to go play Alabama. You know, you lose a teammate on Tuesday, and it's you, you know, do you not practice? You know, I mean, it's there's just a million different things going through your mind, and then then we could, you know, talk about the elite stuff. You know, he we we win the egg bowl, we win the egg bowl, everybody's happy, and then you know, a month, not even a month later, uh, coach passes away. So it was it was tough, man. And then even even just of how the domino effect of how you know because. I'd like to think we were going to be pretty good if Coach was yeah. still alive last year and we were still doing our stuff. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Uh, but just the domino effect that Coach Leach passing away, the offensive staff leaving, um, some of the defensive guys leaving, and not not necessarily as a X's and O's, just a letdown, just kind of a letdown of, dang, we all came in together. We really yeah. built this thing from the ground up. And now it's, you know, it's done. You know, we're, this program's moving on. Um, but like I said, how we got through that time was just kind of pulling together. You know, you hear, you hear teams talk about that, but I really think we did it, you know, um, with that, you know, four to five month span of going through some tough times together. And having you guys multiple times the last couple of years, I mean, you had some awesome dudes. Like you, you, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Buki, just like such a, such a fun dude to be around, but then you watch him play and it's like, you had, you respect everything about him. And yeah, then Jet, he's awesome, man. You know, Jet, same way, like one of the most unassuming guys you'll ever meet. And then you watch him play and you're like, damn, this dude's all over the place. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard him say it or not, but he said it with Roman and I one Monday night. Um, I asked him why he never had his mouthpiece in. And he's like, oh, you mean my face mask ornament? Yeah. And uh, I was just like, this dude's different, man. Like yeah, he, he, is a, he is a different dude. He's a good. And so I don't, but I don't want to focus on on the the you know, where that last season went. But there was some really cool stuff that you and I talked about um, before that Arizona game that you have to share with people, and and it's just about that transition to that offense. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that got consumed with being under center, and it's like, well, it's not going to be under center that much. It's like, okay, fine, but pistol's still different for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like turning your back to the defense is different. And you sat there and told us in our meeting, you're like, hey, guys, the first time we tried to run stretch, like I was about a yard and a half short. Like I couldn't even get I couldn't hand it off. Mm-hmm. And then you told us about how Cole had changed up some of his stuff and he was getting lower and switched hands back to his left hand. I would love for you to just describe like the difficulties at your position, not being able to see the ball. Just take us through some of those things like your first couple of days of practice. You're probably sitting there thinking, are we going to get a first down this year? Like, good yeah. Lord. No, there's just things that, which you know, in the air raid, I was I was right here. You know, I, I you know I was catch throw one two three throw. You know, I was kind of all in that one spot in the pocket. Um, 
And with, you know, going to pro style, which I'll have to do here, I'll have to do everywhere, um, you have to move a lot more. Uh, you know, you got your running back in pistol a lot more with what we did. Uh, so even just like run game footwork, you know, people think, I mean, you watch a game and you think, well, that's easy. Well, if you've never done it, it's not easy at all. Yep. You know, so I remember, you know, literally like walking through, you know, walking through for like a week of my stretch footwork out of the pistol, you know, cause I really wanted to push it wide and it, it's not as wide as you think it is. It's really one step on the stretch footwork. Um, but you know, those are details that I had nothing, you know, I'd never done that. I had no clue about that. Um, so just like learning little things like that. And then, uh, I think Cole changed up a little bit. You know, I think his butts are a little lower this year. He was more, a lot. yeah, a lot. And he had the ball, he had the ball out air raid. Cause we took the two pictures air raid. The ball was like sitting under his face mask. And then last year he yeah. had his arm fully extended, which is. And Pretty he smart. Did I that mean, because you know, air raid. He's trying to get back and really set, yeah. and you know, he's really leaning on that ball and driving off the ball and some things that we did this year. Uh, but you know, there. I mean, there were times. I remember fall camp. I was like six and a half, so I could see the ball. And they like, Coach Barbe made me like scoot up like heels at five, and you know, Cole's Cole's kind of. Cole gets jacked up a little bit, and he'll throw that thing back there pretty fast, like a dang fastball. Uh, so I had to get and, used to that. You know, just, and you told us you couldn't see it. You couldn't see the ball. No, because his, his butt sits so low, so it, it, it got on me quick, you know. So I remember in fall camp, I had, I had to get uh, adjusted to that. So, I mean, just even even small things like that, you know, I can't control that, you know, and I want sure. I want my center to do that, you know, I want the best thing for him and how he can get off the ball quickest and, you know, do his job. Uh, but you know, even somebody else changing up their fundamentals a little bit. Now I have to shift some things that I do, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the beauty of the game, you know. You're yep. gonna have to adapt and uh, overcome some things, but you know, that's just a little little small piece of some things that I had to change up in my game. Well, and I'll, I'll clarify for everybody. There was never any complaining there. And I don't want anybody to think that you weren't, you weren't complaining about anything like that. Wasn't it? I just, it was just super interesting to hear Mm. somebody who had played as much football as you. And now taking the snap was that different for that reason. Like I've never heard, I played center and I never heard a quarterback not being able to see the ball. But then when you watch what Cole did to his stance, it made perfect sense. And, go and it made at, sense, like you said, for him to do what he was doing so he could be more effective. At, uh, Brady, you know, when Brady's in New England and had the same center for however long, you know, he's, you know, he's leaning on that left leg hard, you know, like some NFL guys do. But when he went to Tampa Bay, man, he was almost like a dang shortstop back there. You know, he yeah. was feet, uh, both of his feet were side by side, shoulder width apart. And he's like, I mean, he is, he had to change all his stuff up. And if, if Tom Brady can do it, it's probably good enough for me to do it. So Absolutely. All right, so one of the cooler moments of last season was we were in town for the Arkansas game, and we're walking through the facility, and Tom and I are leaving our meetings, and you're walking back in, and you stopped and you talked to us for a few minutes, and we had just gotten notification that we were going to get the Egg Bowl. We were both super excited. I've wanted to, I wanted to work that game forever. Yeah. We had it during COVID, but I, I don't even count that because it was, I mean, it was like September or something. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And so – 
Tom says to you, he's like, hey, we're back for the Egg Bowl. And you're like, yeah, man, I'm not going to miss that game if my arm's falling off. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm playing in that game. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, we'll see. How healthy were you when you tried to come back? And how frustrating was watching your team when you knew it was going to be a little bit of a transition this mm-hmm. past year and it was going to be an issue anyway, but then now you have to watch everything that's taken place. It, it was extremely frustrating. Uh, number one, just to, <clears throat> like you said, watch, you know, I can't help, you know, I mean, I can, you know, I traveled every, every game. I was at every single practice, you know, trying to keep the team morale up and, you know, trying to, trying to do anything I can to help us win every week. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's only so much I can do with, you know, the injury that I had, how rare the injury was, and then the risk that came with it. I was not going to – I was. I mean, I wanted to be out there more than anything, but when the risk was what it was, I could not have been playing. Um, and so we had gone and saw some, some doctors and things like that, and uh, I got cleared for the Southern Miss game, and um, I really wanted to play that game because I knew I wanted to be back – so right. I wanted to play – I obviously wanted to play an Egg Bowl, but I wanted to be able to play, you know, a game before I was, you know, thrown in that right. fire because I know how that game is. Um, so I was healthy. You know, I was I was clear to play, but you know how it is, man, because I was, I was in some pain. You know, I went from not being able to, you know, lay down in bed to move – I couldn't move without pain, you know. Um and then I couldn't lay down in bed and I couldn't I couldn't even jog for the first two weeks without pain. Um, so, I mean, it was a it was a grind. And, you know, a lot of the credit needs to go to the, you know, the, the staff at Mississippi State. Uh, yeah. you know, Thomas Callens, they do a great job, you know, um, the head trainer there. So uh, they, they did a great job on me, you know, and, you know, obviously Coach Tyson Brown did a great job in the weight room of modifying some things where you know when i'm out there i don't have you know my legs aren't dead you know i'm I'm doing something at least i'm moving around at least so you know but not being able to jog and not being able to throw a football 10 yards for two weeks you know it's it's tough it's it it is tough and um man i I just i i I wish we could have won that game some way somehow you know I told I told my dad, me and my dad were talking about this probably a couple of weeks ago and just talking about it just out of the blue and I told him, Man, I think I I think I played harder that game than I have in in definitely this past year, you know, just by any means necessary, playing for playing for a lot, obviously, playing for a you know, you know, really the seniors, you know, that I've yeah. talked about. Uh but, you know, it, it didn't fall our way, but, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to Ole Miss as well. They had a really good team this year. Obviously, 11 wins is hard to do, especially in the SEC. I think their losses were Alabama and Georgia. So, yep. you know, they're doing something right. But, um, you know, definitely wish we could have gotten that one. But you could tell that, though, I mean, we could tell you weren't your normal self. I mean, it was obvious. I know you, you don't want to lean into that. And mm-hmm. you definitely you're not the type of person that's going to make any excuses. But it was it was apparent to us. And the fact that you were out there giving it a go, trying to do it, I mean, I think everybody had a lot of respect for you there. But mm-hmm. just try, because I played in the Iron Bowl. And see, we, we talked about it a lot leading into this game. And my explanation for it was, 
With the Iron Bowl, I think with as good as Alabama has been recently, and Auburn's made a couple of runs, like the satisfactory portion for a lot of fans has become, you know, BCS title game, playoff, SEC championship, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And with State and Ole Miss, I think that there's so much that's still that that's the most important one mm-hmm. because not many people have had like that forward vision as much as maybe some Alabama fans yeah, have. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, just try to sure. Yeah, I want you to just try to explain to the listeners like what that game means. When when I when I say Egg Bowl, like what emotions does that drum up for you? I mean, it just it's tough to explain. It's tough to put into words. And obviously, I'm from Mississippi. Have a lot of Mississippi roots within my family, so obviously the game is going to mean a lot more to me than it does to an out of state guy. You know, like some of the out of state freshmen were asking me this year, like, what is that game like? And man. I can't describe it to you just if you were there on Sunday and like saw the energy in the room on Sunday in the building, you would be able to tell something's different. And, you know, that's that's just the best way to describe it is it's just it's just different, you know, because. I mean, the records are the records are what they are, you know, I mean, you they beat us 17 to seven and we're a play or two away from being being right there in the fourth. Uh, but, man, it's it's fun to play in. You know, I think I think Coach Kiffin and Coach Leach did – because for a second there, when I was coming up, the, I think the rivalry was extremely toxic. No, you uh, you you got there right on the tail end of – Yeah. That, I mean, one of the but, ugliest rivalries I've seen. I mean, some there's a couple of those games that were downright filthy. Yeah, and, and my freshman year, some – uh, upperclassmen had told me like, "Hey, you know, be ready. Just to like, don't do anything stupid pregame. Like, be smart. You know, there. My first two years there, it was kind of expected. You know, things to get out of control pregame. Uh, but I think, you know, and obviously I don't know this for a fact, but from what I've heard, their friendship, Coach Kiffin and Coach Leach, yeah, really, really bringing the." you know, rivalry together, it's it's a healthy thing for college football. When you step back, you know, you put everything to the side, you step back and look at the game and look how hard each team's play and look how much the fans love it. It's a really, really healthy thing for college football. Um, I'm obviously biased, and I know you are too, towards the Iron Bowl, but if you haven't experienced the Egg Bowl, it's something that you need to do. It's awesome, and and I have I I had a ton of respect for it before, and I have even more now, and I'm so glad I got to work one, uh, especially one that was as as competitive as that one, and the atmosphere was just fantastic. So, mm-hmm. all right. So before I go to your next move, I just want to hear from you, and, and your your thought on this is going to be interesting because you have now gone into the portal and gone to play somewhere else. What were the previous two or three years like? dealing with guys that either talked about going in or did go in because McElroy and I've talked about this a lot on our radio show. Like we see the guys like, yeah, man, go get your bag or yeah, man, good luck. Best of luck. And mm-hmm. we wouldn't have been that way, but it yeah. was a different time. It was a totally different game and it was all totally different. That's, how, yeah. how is it handled now? I think it's tough to compare. It's tough to compare because I'm, I'm just like you guys. Like I'm, I'm to the point where it's like, well, if you're not, if you want to do that, go do that. We're gonna, <laughs> you know, we're gonna do this. You know, we're worried about winning. And right. in the back of my head, that's where I'm at. But at the same time, 
you know, how are you going to tell a guy who doesn't have as much at home, who is able to take care of his little sister, his little brother, if he goes to another school and then the school he's at isn't offering him as much, you know, NIL money. So how are you going to look at one of your brothers, you say, and a guy that you really care about and love, and you're telling him, I mean, is that selfish of you? If you were like, man, I want you to stay here. I want you to be here with us when he's got other obligations, you know, and it's tough to say that because I'm as competitive as they come, but I also care about my teammates more than anything. Uh, So it's kind of the fine line for me. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, I want to win and I want to win more than anything, but I understand that people have bigger obligations than football. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's wild. So then you make the decision to go in and I felt like, and I don't know, you didn't tell us this for sure, but I felt like this had had probably been, even if you didn't know it in the back of your mind, I felt like you kind of knew for a while, like I'm, it's probably going to have to take place. Like I probably just need mm-hmm. fresh start, start over. Don't even know what's going to happen here next, but I can't do a whole lot more here. Like I just, I need a different setting. Um, can you kind of take us through number one, how you made the decision? And number two, I know it had to be hard because you've already taken us through how much state means to you, mm-hmm. how much the egg bowl means to you, your teammates mean to you. You were, you got pretty lucky. A lot of the guys you came in with or were, that were there that were young when you came in, you guys did play a long time together. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen for a ton of college football players in today's day and age. Yeah, it was – It was. A, I didn't know much about the process at all because, I mean, in the back of my mind when the season started, it was, you know, I'm going to play here, you know, win as many games as possible, show people that I can play in any system, and then, you know, hopefully get drafted. Um, and obviously it didn't go that way. Uh, but it was probably several weeks after I got hurt where I was just, you know, obviously thinking about some things, praying about some things, talking with my family about some things and, um, you know, realized that, uh, I was going to have to make a change. Um, and honestly, if the egg bowl, if the egg bowl was the first game of the year, I would have probably not have played at the end of the year last year. Um, just because of like I said, the injury and the risk that was, you know, involved with that. Um, but, you know, it was it was something that I think I had to do uh, for the betterment of my future. You know, obviously there are still so many guys that, you know, I was, I was talking to some of the Mississippi State guys today, just, you know, checking in, asking about them, asking how they're doing. Uh, but there's so many guys that I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss, you know, the town of Starkville, uh, Mississippi, and, uh, the, the time that I had there. But I think this is, you know, the, the best thing for me and my future. And um, you, you have to start thinking about some of those things too. You can't ignore that because uh, if you worry about, you know, you know, one school and everything that I've done for the past four years and, you know, coming back for a fifth year, it might not be the best thing for me. So right. uh, I kind of felt like uh, – I'm not saying that Mississippi State wanted me to leave, but I think it was definitely time – you know, my time there was done. I had some similar conversations with some of the people around the Auburn program with Bo Nix. And that one is even more difficult because I mean, you're talking about a kid who played the same position, mm-hmm. same number, same name on the back of his oh, jersey yeah. at the same school. Like that, that's a lot, man. It's a lot to, mm-hmm. to deal with, to talk about, it's a lot of pressure on you. And there are a lot of people that just said it was 
totally amicable. It just, it needed to happen from both sides. And it just, it kind of, it got to that point where it was time. Yeah. It's not really a negative connotation on it either way. Your situation a little bit different, but some of it sounds a little bit similar. And bef- before we move on, I want to ask you about some of the Washington guys, because I've gotten to know them and I'm, I'm big fans of what they do. But you got to go back the game before the Egg Bowl. And I need your immediate reaction when your interim head coach rolls in there on a four wheeler. Like <laughs> what? I, I want to know the first thing that went yeah. through your mind. Well, so I actually didn't see it. I was I had walked out for captains, and he had he had done it. But when I saw it, I was like, "What in the world?" And the whole Inky Johnson thing was, you know, getting back on the four wheeler when times get tough and things like that. But. You know, I, I have a, a great amount of respect for Coach Knox. You know, when he, he's amazing, amazing. You know, if you ever have the chance to, you know, sit down and talk with him just about, you know, football in general, you know, I think that would be a good thing to do. I mean, he's extremely sharp. He coaches extremely hard, demands a lot out of his players. Um, oh, trust me. He was a receiver coach when I was at Auburn. I heard yeah, him he dog cuss those guys every day. I've never seen a position, I don't know if he still did this when you were around. I've never seen a position group run more pre-practice than his receivers did. Yeah, I mean, they would be doing figure eights, hundred yards yeah. figure eights. I'm like, bro, we have not even started <laughs> stretch yet. Like, what are we doing? He, he's he's high strung for sure, but he cares about a lot a lot about his players. He cares a lot about the players. Uh, you know, and that's one thing he really wanted to. Obviously, it was two weeks left. You know, right. but he really wanted to bring us together in times of adversity, you know, every, every morning we were there at 7 a.m. for some meeting, watching some inspirational video together, you know, you know, saying prayers, things, I mean, Coach Knox did a great job in my opinion. I have a lot of respect for him because that's not an easy role to step into. And he's done it several times and been successful. So especially after everything you guys had been through and he explained it to us the way you just explained it, that he was like, this has got to be about the kids. It's got to be about the players. And it felt like he did a really good job of doing that for you guys to kind of finish that season up. All right. So let's fast forward. Uh, you go in the portal. What is, what's, what is that immediately like? Is it just text message, phone call, email? Is it nonstop? Is it like, what, what is that? Cause we, nobody knows. We see all these guys going in, mm-hmm. but nobody knows what it's like when a player like you puts your name in. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, so, when I put my name in, I I actually I think I was at Deer Camp with two of my buddies. So I put my name in, and then I cut my phone off for about four hours or so. Just said, I mean, I just wanted to get away from everything for a second. You know, it was the day after the Egg Bowl, so I really just wanted to step away, just enjoy some time, you know, with my buddies. But when when that happens, you know, I mean, yeah, your phone your phone's going off a good bit. You know, you're you know, texting back, you know, calling back, getting on FaceTime. And then, you know, you're trying to figure out when you can make it out for a visit. And then, you know, I don't know if every player does this, but I was, I was pretty adamant on, you know, narrowing it down to about three schools, you know, two to three schools. And then I was doing research, you know, I really wanted to research because for a player like myself that only has one year of eligibility, you should be thinking about, you know, where's the best fit for you? Where can you be? Uh, most successful this next year and things like that. So that's kind of how that process went. And um, obviously they've had a a great amount of success here at Washington. You know, uh, Mike Penix has done a a tremendous job the past two years. So that's really, 
you know, what drew me here. Um, and uh, I'm trying to just pick off, pick up where he left off. So you're at the national championship game, and I know that had to be a pretty cool experience just to be there with those guys. Mm-hmm. I love Grubb. I love what he does. Uh, I'm, I'm interested from your standpoint because people have already heard a little bit of your football acumen, having to move things around. You've done some of that in high school. This cat runs everything, mm-hmm. every formation, every personnel grouping, every motion, every shift, every trade. Like You're going to get it. Um, and then I'm just also interested in some of the conversations stylistically, what he and Kalen told you and just like what you saw in the offense when you watched it, that felt like you were going to be a good fit there. Yeah. Um, to be honest, just because of the way that they've been doing things the past, you know, two weeks or so here, I haven't gotten a chance to really dive into everything yet, but just watching some stuff on my own. Um, it seems like they do a really good job of keeping the defense off balance with all their movement and things like that. Um, I think they, I think that they want a quarterback who can accurately throw the ball, which I I believe I can do. Um, and you know, I think they, they want a guy that's, that wants to win. You know, they talk a lot about culture and things like that. And I think they have a great culture here at Washington. Uh, They do a really good job of, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing, but, you know, care about their players and things like that. So um, obviously I've I've played a lot of football, which I think that should account for. Helps a little bit. (laughs) I think that should account for something, but, um, you know, just extremely uh, attracted to how they do things offensively. and then some of the, you know, from a progression standpoint, talking with Coach Grubb, just, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other on visits and things like that. Uh, you can tell he's extremely sharp and, um, you know, can really can really coach the quarterback position. And I, so I was at the Sugar Bowl and I had to work media day and I had to ask Dylan. I said, so Will's committed. I'm assuming you had a heavy hand in that. Like, are you making some phone calls? And he's like, man, I normally don't get involved. But, yeah, I had to. I had to make sure I, I put the pressure on my boy to try to get him out here. So that didn't hurt Washington either, having him recruit you, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's my guy, man. You know, we, we had the privilege of playing together a lot at Mississippi State and uh, same class, you know, came in together, played three years together. Um, and, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite, favorite all-time teammates. You know, he's tough as nails. You know, you saw that. You saw that. Uh, Monday, Freaking hammer, man. Man, Monday night, you know, he's not, he's not 100%. And, but you know, played hard and left it all out there, and um, just a, just a great teammate, a guy that I care a lot about, and um, he definitely helped me out, helped me out a lot uh, getting out here. So, well, sidebar, you you've kind of alluded to it. You're big into the outdoors. You're big in you know the yeah. hunting and fishing and all that. Uh, I had never been out there. I had been to Seattle once, mm-hmm. but I had never been to like the Washington facility and been around. Actually, I, I did one of. Um, the kid that went from um, Jacob Eason's game. I did mm-hmm. one of his high school games. It was out there at Lake Stevens. Uh, but then I go to the Washington facility, and it's like it's a lot of these Southern kids would be like, oh, man, we got to go out West. But like from the yeah. from the landscape perspective, it's kind of right up your alley. Like a, yeah. a lot of stuff, you're going to be – it's right there basically on campus. <clears throat> yeah, I hadn't got a chance to really, you know, drive off and check things out a little bit. You don't I- have to. They had a damn dock 
right there by the indoor facility. You yeah. can just go fish right there. Like you yeah, walk across the street and it's, fish. It's right on the lake. You know, it backs up to the lake. So you can, I mean, it is right there. So that's, that's a pretty cool benefit. So I'll, I'll have to check that out here in a week or two. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, you've been a, you've been so much fun to cover. We've enjoyed covering your teams. There's so much that I wanted to get into. I appreciate the time tonight and, uh, we'll definitely do it again soon. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Great stuff there from the former Mississippi state quarterback, Will Rogers, who was going to transfer to Washington. Then Kalen DeBoer takes the Bama job. Now he's back in the portal. Understandably, the big decision that he had to make and all the uncertainties, I would imagine you can probably look at that and say, yeah, it's not for me. It's not what I want to do. Um, I think Will could be a great coach one day. Will that have something to do with where he wants to go? I don't really know. Um, but he's a bright young man who has already set a ton of records, who I do think, if healthy, can go help a football team. It doesn't just have to be that old-school, traditional air raid, um, even though I did kind of tell him, like, man, you should have gone over there to Sanford with Chris Hatcher and just lit it up and thrown for, like, 9,000 yards. Uh, but either way, uh, I think he's going to land on a team, and I think he can help a team potentially be the starter. We'll see what happens. A lot going on there with his name and with him. Um, don't forget about Blue Delta Jeans. Blue Delta denim, the most comfortable denim you'll ever wear in your entire life. You can dress them up, dress them down, casual, custom fitted for you, breathable, stretchy. So for Husky guys like me, they are fantastic and you're absolutely going to love them. So don't forget about Blue Delta jeans. They are the best denim you're ever going to have. And you go to bluedeltajeans.com. You can now order them online and they have a way to fit you digitally. Do you get your custom fit jeans? them wickles pickles at wickles pickles you can find them on instagram they got all the recipes and all that go check them out appreciate you guys tuning in for cube show we'll be back again next week don't forget to subscribe apple podcast itunes you can get us there you can also get us at spotify podcast like great review if you're listening thank you so much for tuning in The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.